0: I mean, everything kind of stems from, like, having a mental breakdown in, like, 2013. Mm And so we'll skip all that and get to the van part and then move around. It's just, it is what it is, right? So um, the end result of everything was that I quit my job at Walmart. I have been there 13 and a half years. And so my ex had moved, she had moved down outside of Little Rock. And so I went down to stay with her and our son. And um, I was like they have an auto auction down there so i bought this minivan here's the thing it's like the mistake that i made from a van life perspective was that i never took the time to set it up with like levels and a nice yeah. bed like i had a mattress in it and i had stuff but yeah i did not optimize my space in any way i mean i wasn't really in a great state of mind i was mm-hmm. i was just like reactive and doing things yeah um but <clears throat> I didn't work for months, like, the entire summer, and it was great. So in 2015, I quit at the end of April and, like, didn't go back to work. And then I didn't go to work until the end of October, and maybe it was, like, early November. Um, and so it was cool. It was cool. I, like, got to drive, and I'd just be, like, going down the road, and I'd be like, yo, let me go this way. That looks cool. And I'd end up in, like, yeah. some national forest in Colorado, you know, and, and, like, it was great. There's this whole, like, freedom of just going I don't know where I'm gonna go exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna see where the road leads. Because yeah. I mean really ultimately I think that most of the time we're just post talk rationalizing the road being where we wanted it to go. And the truth is is we just had to follow the fucker end up somewhere and then yeah. we're like, oh shit, like this is what I'm doing now. All right, this is totally what I meant to be doing, you know? Yeah. So but it's cool. I had dreams, like some of the medicine that they were giving me was like antipsychotics and things it gave me really heavy dreams and I'd have dreams of driving and uh, you know I'd have dreams of, of of going and seeing things or doing things and seeing a place and like legit over that summer I had probably 30 things that like reminded I'm not saying it was foretold or anything our mind finds patterns yeah. but there were a whole bunch of things that I was like that really convinced me that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing and so
1: okay it worked out so uh, what was it that led up to that, because you mentioned the mental yeah. breakdown um,
0: in two thousand and thirteen like at the end of two thousand and twelve I started like i I had a rough job, I was married, and we didn 't get along very well she had a a, a lot of like she 's just kind of my wife was real hard to get along with so that <clears throat> Like, later therapy showed me, like, narcissistic abuse and things like this that I dealt with, you know? And, yeah. and there's a whole subplot of, like, males being the victims of domestic violence, which people don't really talk about, you know? Yeah. And it also, like, there's a, there's a theory that, like, I guess that, that it degrades your manliness. But, like, dude, what am I going to do? She's fucking, like, 5'4 and 100 pounds, I literally can't... It would, be a, it would have been unmanly of me to do anything back, you know? Yeah. So, um... Everything kind of crescendoed in the summer of 2013, and I had spent time in a mental institution, Springwood's Behavioral Center down in Fayetteville, mm-hmm. and they diagnosed me with borderline depressive, no, borderline personality disorder, major depressive disorder, and, and like all the anxiety and stuff that goes along with that. Because mm-hmm. um, for a while, like even before all of this, I had been having chest pains for over a year, and I got my heart looked at, and they are like, you're fine, you probably just have anxiety. So, I ended up um, trying to hang myself in the garage. And so, I literally, like, I mean, I did it and I woke up from it with a thing around my neck. I don't want to go into, like, in case anybody hears it, like, there's things that I did wrong along the process, right? Mm-hmm. And it's cool. I'm fine because at least I'm alive. Yeah. But um, I was immediately, like, back in the place for another week. And then I took three months LOA and my relationship kept deteriorating. And I realized, yeah that like my my wife at the time was a big problem for me and she didn't like it either and so we split up and i kept going through therapy like this so here's the thing is like i recognize a lot of people have mental illnesses and the truth yeah. is is because of having to learn about myself i recognize that like Almost everybody I see has recognizable mental illness Yeah, <laughs> there 's recognizable things and in, in the rebuttal, of course, and the way that I was raised is super Christian, and the rebuttal was always that like oh they 're just making that stuff up it 's normal to be this way it 's not normal to be that way, like the way that I was raised was not normal. My parents were not normal i 'm not normal um, and Like, a lot of my personal journey has been coming to the acceptance of who I am. Because the truth is, is like, I am what I am. I went through the experiences that I went through. They shaped me. Mm -hmm. I got tired of being, like, really, really the underlying subplot of everything, everything, was that I didn't like who I was ever. I never liked who I was. Um, Whether it was because I was told that, like, you had to basically be perfect to get into heaven, right? Like, I don't know, like if you have any experience with really strict religious upbringings, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, and it gave me a lot of trauma about myself. Um, my dad was physically, occasionally physically, well, I mean, you know, Southern boys, you get beat like this is how it is. Like I don't know where you grew up in Mississippi and Texas and stuff like they just beat your ass. That's just it. Yeah. Um, and of course a lot of mean words and things. And so, It left me where that I didn't like who I was and a lot of that is permanent in as much as I will always have physiological responses to anxiety. I will always Mm -hmm. get an elevated heart rate. I will always feel tension in my chest. But now I know what that is and I can like mitigate it. How do you respond to that? breathing exercises, like, and it's not even rigorous. I have, like, a friend that's like, you hold it for, you breathe in for this many seconds and you hold it for this many, but he's, like, a real meticulous dude. Like, I'm a free yeah. spirit. Like, my game was, like, I'm just going to take deep breaths until it yeah. you know, alleviates the chest pain because, again, um, it's the physical and the mental are all tied together, and so... What is happening is, is I get uncomfortable. It makes my body tense up. It physically makes my chest tighter, which makes it harder to breathe. Which then this is this whole feedback cycle. And mm-hmm. so, um, the Buddhists talk a lot about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Like you practice mindfulness in yoga and in all these kinds of other like New Agey Eastern shit that like integrated yeah. into our stuff, right? Cool. But all it really is is paying attention to your body. And being honest about what's going on with your body. Being self-aware. Yeah. Um, And I would like to think that I'm a pretty self-aware dude. I definitely question just about everything that I say and do and think. Um, I also recognize confirmation and other biases are at play. I honestly have no idea how I come across to other people. I can only Mm -hmm. judge myself based on the reflection that I get from people.
1: Yeah.
0: And I aim for a good reflection. Yeah. Yeah. So. so how do you feel about yourself now? Um, well, I'll be honest, I like who I am, I have to say that. Um, on this journey thing, like, dude, I, I, so I went out and I, I went to a mountain, I was a ski bum for a couple of seasons, and in the middle I worked at a beach hotel in, in Washington. Like, so I ended up in Oregon on Mount Hood, if you ever see a picture of Portland, there's a mountain in the background, that's Mama Hood. I interacted with thousands of people, and they were all mirrors to me of various fashions. So, I guess the moral of the story is because I'm a very empirical dude, like I have to Mm -hmm. analyze things and that's part of the anxiety and I recognize that and sometimes I catch myself and it's like, you're totally overanalyzing, dude. But there's no substitute for direct feedback Mm -hmm. and it's not the words people say, it's the look on their face when you're talking to them. Do they even come talk to you? You know, like, sometimes it is the words that they say. Like, I had a number of people tell me that they were, that I was their favorite employee or their favorite co-worker or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I left, people cried, you know, like, dudes cried. Like, not all sobbing and stuff. But, you know, yeah. like, it was heartfelt shit. But basically, I found out that other people liked me, so why didn't I? And not only a few other people. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to go travel was because mm-hmm. I had, been at Walmart ever since I graduated college, and I knew a lot of people, and I know a lot of people there like me, and I like them, but I needed to be like, who am I, and I had to go like, it's, it's so cliche, but yeah. go find myself, and I did, and I know why I'm here, and I know that, like, I know good things about myself, and I know bad things about myself too, and you know, there's, there's a lot of, I guess, acceptance that you just gotta do, Yeah, and work on things
1: when you were institutionalized, what was that day like? What,
0: how did you wind up there? So, yeah, um, I was in the hospital four times. Um, I never went to an actual hospital. I just went straight to the mental hospital. And the first time was because I had been seeing a therapist and I had been on antidepressants for years by then. Um, and I went to the doctor and my wife at the time went with me and this is what I will say is like for all her faults She kept me alive. She absolutely did like I'm here today because she made sure that I got help She couldn't do it herself and that's that is what it is um, so I <clears throat> I Went in for a, an extended weekend um, In like April or whatever and that's when they diagnosed me but I guess like none of us realized how bad it was and then I attempted suicide um, um, on a Sunday in the afternoon. I told her about it that evening and the next day I was in the hospital. So that was a week and then she made sure like she worked with my manager and got me all LOA'd at the time I, and when I got out I was in with um, a therapist that was really good for me and did dialectic behavioral therapy and eye movement. How did you feel about being institutionalized? Man, it is what it is, bro. Like, it hurts. People watch movies about that stuff. Like, yeah. I've told people, like, one of my buddies, um, like, legit started work the same day as me. Like, we started work the same day. We played music together over the years and stuff. And um, I, when I was, I came through here um, on one of my trips. Like, I, before I settled out west, I traveled back and forth a few times. And so yeah. I was visiting with him and his wife, and I was at their wedding, you know? Um, and I, so I watched her like physically recoil at the table when I was talking. And I'm like, I was only a danger to myself. Yeah. Whatever. I, even in those moments, I've thought about it. I had fun. People like me. Um, and again, like, let me clarify. I don't care if people like me. I'm not in the game to be liked. What I'm really in the game for is to be loved. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, And I feel the only way I can do that is that I'm real. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's something I had to learn about myself too. Because I'd ask people like, "Why? What's going on here?" You know. And the biggest explanation that I got back was like, "I'm real." And there's Mm -hmm. with what you see is what you get. And I'm going to be the same with you. And I'm going to be the same with anybody that I meet.
1: That's good. Have you always been like that?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that so. This is like <laughs> good and bad, right? Like I said, my upbringing was really weird, but at the same time, being able to move, moving every couple of years meant that I had to learn how to integrate. My sister's choice was basically to just withdraw and she just stayed by herself. But I made friends everywhere I went, mm-hmm. and so. Maybe I'm more aware of it. Um, I also recognize that a lot of the techniques are manipulative. My dad taught me how to be a pastor, and a lot of the stuff that you do as a minister is 100% manipulation. Yeah. Um, Now, so where I struggle is, and and two, having walked the road that I have, like, there are things that I have come across about life that I understand that normal people simply don't. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, sometimes it is perhaps helpful to manipulate other people into doing what's right for themselves. Yeah. But that's a whole ethical issue too. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I feel that I'm in the world to share. I gather knowledge, I process it. I want to write books. I want to be a public speaker. I want to go on other people's YouTube channels and talk about my stuff and sell yeah. my books and things like that. Like, I've really, I've really thought about this. I mean, I was raised to be a minister, and, and, and I don't believe in Christianity anymore, yeah. but the desire to find and, like, share truths is, mm-hmm. is still in my heart. Going back to your relationship, were there,
1: were there any red flags early on? With that, my ex-wife? That you, yeah, that you... Maybe ignored but shouldn't have?
0: Oh, yeah, there was a lot. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to be disparaging, right, of the mother of my child. Even early on, I recognized that it was not positive. And, and the truth is, too, is mm-hmm. I, because of the way that I was raised, it was very much like they ne- my parents never taught me anything about dating or about how to have a relationship, and because we moved so much, I never had like an older brother type mentor to teach me. My yeah. sister didn't know any better than I did. So when you grow up in this sheltered p- environment, what ends up happening is you have no knowledge, no way to get your needs met, like yeah. no way to like talk to somebody that you're even interested in. I didn't even know if it was okay. Like I thought it was wrong to to, to be interested in somebody, you know. So um that set set me up and interestingly enough it set my sister up she did the exact same thing and my mom also with my dad did the exact same thing which is to be in a position to be weak to the wrong type of person the type of person that can push past your emotional boundaries because really all this comes to like not just the the lack of knowledge the ignorance about relationships but a very closed like holy crap you want like in my space emotionally and i'm not used to that yeah I, I, I made mistakes. I yeah. said rude things. You know. I told her that I would do half the chores when she paid half the bills, for instance, as she's sitting pregnant at the table. That was not cool. You know, there's other small thing there's other things I regret. I would say like mm-hmm. if you add it up, she's the stuff she did was worse to me. But like even then I recognize where she came from too. I recognize her path. Yeah. You know? Um and so yeah, there were there were red flags, but I didn't know any better. And the truth is, is like I was 24, and I kind of made the decision. I was like, man, I've got to get moving on life. I need to start putting myself out there. And yeah. so I was, I lowered all my boundaries. I let it happen. Right? I was okay. 100% yeah. complicit. I just didn't know where it was going to take me. Did
1: you feel any sort of obligation to get married? Because it sounds oh yeah like you felt a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah, we. I mean. We got married when she was like seven and a half, eight months pregnant. I mean, it was, yeah, I felt that I had to do it. I I mean, and so what's interesting is that now I'm in a relationship with somebody who has a bunch of green flags, um, but because the first time, it's not that... I'm, I'm judging the new one because the old one didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I want to go into this one 100% like I'm cool with where this is going because I felt like I had to make this one work. Yeah. And so now I look at it and I go, I think that this is going to work, but I need to be in a place that I'm really happy to do this. I don't want to do this one out of obligation. Yeah. And you know what, Like, I did the right thing, man. I tried to raise this kid for years like it, he was eight when we got divorced that's really pretty good I got a decade out of that that's really good her previous relationships did not last anywhere near that long but the funny thing is is because I had none like of course mine didn't either so yeah you know I, I was probably destined to to not, to not to not go well there's no way I could have avoided it with what I knew at the time okay and so When I was driving through the, like, mountains, like, I seriously, like, I thought about all of this stuff, and I listened to Taylor Swift 1989 for, like, three months, which, you know, judge me if you want, but she (laughs) writes a great breakup album, what can I say? (laughs) You have to look at something and say, I could only have done differently if I knew differently, Mm -hmm. and the only way that I would have known differently was for a whole bunch of other things to be different, so you can't point in time and be like, well, what would you change? Well, I mean... Go back in time and tell my younger self something? I don't know. Yeah. So, again, the road, it's all continuous. You can't really just pick a point and expect it to be different. Yeah. It's part of my whole experience. I had to basically get rid of everything I couldn't prove. Mm -hmm. um, Because all of the stuff that I was taught basically didn't actually come true in life. You know? So I had to, like, if I couldn't prove it. And there's there's... Two things that I decided to accept. Um, number one is that, and I can't prove these. Number one is that there is some sort of being that communi- it's some sort of being out there. And number two is that it communicates with me,
1: okay.
0: um, and that I'm actually a pantheist, which means that I believe that the universe itself is God. Um, and by God, of course, that's a whole conversation because yeah. it's a word. But in the Judeo-Christian, it means like literally a dude on the throne watching and judging and making stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the my version of God is more of like an architectural kind of big giant computer. That's m- And so I am a program and I need to execute to the best of my abilities. And of course, this is all because I'm a computer dude, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, you could say my, my desired outcome is that I do a good enough job at whatever I was supposed to do that whatever it is out there likes me. Because if you think about it, why would a God take everybody to heaven? It's stupid. Like, I'm sorry, like, 95% of the people don't really add value. Like, you don't go to a zoo and see cows. You go to a zoo and see, like, yo, there's an ostrich, that's pretty dope. Hey, there's a giraffe. I don't have those everywhere I drive around town. I can drive around town and see cows, you know? So um, I guess, like, the moral of the story there would be, like, if I were, if a god were actually making a collection of beings that it, it would be beings that it liked, which means that you have to stand out for some reason, you know? Um, yeah. So my goals, and of course, this all goes with the type of person that I was brought up to be. But my goals are to like be very much. I did my best to find out what was right and do it. And then I'm. It's not that I'm trying to cover my bases. Whatever made me happy, whatever made me needs to be happy with what it made. And if I make it happy, maybe it picks me to hang out. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I just did what I felt was right, and I can die knowing that.
1: Yeah. How do you decide what would make that
0: God happy? A lot of it is feelings based. But because of the very religious environment I was brought up in, and again to reiterate how much I personally believed it, Mm -hmm. I practiced a lot on hearing the inner voice, right? So, I don't think that someone else could easy easily replicate what I'm doing, which is why it's so hard to codify it, and like that's why it won't be a religion. I'm not trying for that you know mm-hmm. um, so i I'm aware of various biases. Of course, the strongest one is confirmation bias, um, and that is normally what makes prayer work. I only remember the times a prayer came true, and I don't remember the like 500 times more that they didn't come true. Yeah. But I have a number of like really interesting things that happened that that tell me that that I'm on the right path. Okay. Um, and. I'm very confident that what I've seen will happen. Very confident that at some point, I'm gonna stand up in an arena and talk to people. Okay. But that's because I guess you could describe it as luck. I don't know, all my life I've been lucky, like weird random, like oh, like even in the worst of times, like luck will happen to me, so. Sounds like your time
1: Living out of a van helped you appreciate yourself more. Is that true?
0: Yeah, it's really enlivening. I gotta say, like, there's this whole. For one thing, I definitely had moments that I was like, "Yo, this is way better than living in an abusive relationship." So for that alone, it had its moments. Well, most things are. (laughs) I mean, honestly, right, right. But because of course is before you live in the van you have to get rid of all your stuff which means that i had no mental things holding me back physically like it was literally everything was right there i've never lived in snow dog like this is wild i mean it would snow like hip deep overnight sometimes you know and man it's so oh it's so cool though to when you have this moment of overcoming and Mm -hmm. and not just one moment but like a compilation of these moments and what could happen to me like would i be i would definitely be sad if i lost what i have don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but i know i'd make it yeah um and and it gave me a lot of strength and and i guess that's your question is they did i gain like i gained a tremendous amount of self-respect frankly to be able to survive in a completely strange environment i went from working mm-hmm. in a cubicle in an air-conditioned office and driving 10 minutes to go home every day to driving across country and living out of a van and finding my way onto a mountain after I decided to become a ski bomb. And I mean, like I just made things happen. And I think it's been Franklin that, and I'll paraphrase the quote, but it's something to the effect of, a man has no greater fortune than to be thrown on his own skills to survive because you find so much more depth than you ever knew that you had. Yeah. And I now have access to some of that.
1: Yeah. Stephen Hawking said something along the lines of, you never know how strong you are until you have no other choice.
0: Right? And, like, I, I vacillate between how much empathy I have for other people. And the reason is because, like, your boy struck out and did work. Like, I recognized that my situation was... I, the reason, like, when I left, I knew that I was going to kill myself. Like, it was going to happen. My plan was to buy a shotgun and have it in my bed until I was comfortable enough to use it. Because I'm not a gun person. Um, But I knew that I needed something that was gonna be like really effective and the shotgun to the lower like that's 99 point something percent you're getting it, you know Um, so I Knew that I had no choice. I had no choice And I watched other people like I have a buddy that went through a divorce at the same time and his mental state was better But like his resolution was he slept with like 30 women And then guess what he's married to a woman that had four kids plus his and so like he grumps, you know, he's not happy. I know other dudes that did similar things or I see so many people that remarry real quick within a year or two and it's like you learn nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think some people try to replace what they lost rather than learn from their experience.
0: It's and you're dead on. You're dead on. Um and you know, on the one hand, I'm jealous that those people didn't fall as far as I did. I fell so far, I had no choice but to strike out. Um, but on the other hand, like, aside from the pain, I'm strong. Like, and I can handle business, and people don't mess with me. Like, I don't know. I, I think I look a little bit crazy these days. So, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I take this back to my religious upbringing but pain is actually purifying like there's a whole thing yeah. with that you know so for me and i think that that has helped me in my outlook too is it's almost zen buddhism like to an extent that you just the pain is what it is like you just look past it mm-hmm. you're aware that it's there but you got other stuff to do yeah um So for me, it proves things, right? And I also want a few haters on the way. I want people that tell me I can't do, oh, I'll tell them like, oh, yeah, I want to be this. And they'll be like, you can't do that. You want to know how many people I've proven wrong in the past three years? It's great. I mean, I'm one one level below where I was. And the only reason that I'm not more is because the pandemic thing hit. And, but I still still got a raise this year that was substantial, I got a double digit raise Cause I'm a baller, and my vice president and I are close. So, and here's the thing too: is everyone except for one person on this journey the second time is new. It's not like I called up; I purposely didn't call up people that I knew, you know, because I wanted to prove it. Yeah. And now I'm a baller, and whatever I can do it. Yeah. Oh, I would prefer not to. Don't get me wrong. Like I am, I'm happy to be comfortable, and mm-hmm. I want to keep the climb going. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Um but yeah. It
1: sounds like you love a challenge.
0: Oh, yeah. I I do. Um so this probably goes back to being a smart person. Um and there's the whole thing with intelligence of having to prove it constantly, which I've learned not to do because that makes you a big jerk face, you know. Um but I realized early on, like I was my own best competition. Mm-hmm. Um and so I guess there's not really, t- recognizing the challenge, like, there's not much difference in an intellectual competition with yourself, like, how many math problems can I do in five minutes versus this, mm-hmm. you know, it's all proven yourself. Um, and how else do you gain wisdom, though? You can't just suddenly be wise, either, and probably the most influential character for me out of the Old Testament was Samuel. He picked wisdom over riches. And because of the wisdom, he, of course, gained riches and a lot of respect and everything. And, like, as a 12-year-old, when we were literally in Mexico, I remember reading the scripture, and I was like, it struck a chord in me. But mm-hmm. the question is, do I want to be wise, or was I made to want to be wise? Right? So what happened
1: with your son during the divorce?
0: Um, that's really the hard one. Um, they moved, of course, her took him right moved down to Little Rock and so I went from seeing him every week every other weekend and one day a week to seeing him every couple weeks um and I had to drive to go get him and it basically burned up the entire Friday or Saturday and Sunday like it ruined the whole experience and I mean I was again I was so depressed and suicidal that that's that's a couple months later excuse me is when I I hit the road and I will say that not seeing him is the hard was the hardest thing. And what's even worse is like they decided to move out to Washington and I helped them move, but then I came back here. But see, her and I tried to live together and she threw me out, which she's thrown me out of every house we've ever lived in. And I'm not that hard to get along with, you know, and so that's why I lived in a van on the mountain was because I literally had nowhere else to live. I mean, and I had no place to get a decent job Mm -hmm. and I had tried in this little BS talent they moved to, to get a job and it, there was nothing there. I talked to him three times a week. Um, we video conference sometimes. Um, I saw him, we went camping in July. So it's kind of a mixed bag because the boy has cried way more tears than I wanted. And frankly, so have I, um, There's a whole thing, too, with like you go from having a family one day to being completely 100 percent alone the next day. What do you do then? Like, you know, I wasn't getting my hugs when I came home, you Mm -hmm. know, like. And so and of course, I mean, how many hugs have I missed out on? How many little moments? And my son's almost as tall as me now.
1: What is the dynamic like between the three of you now?
0: I mean, it's okay. It's a little weird. I think he and I have an understanding. We're cool. Like we take adventures. I take him skiing every year. We're not probably not gonna go this year because of the Ronas. Yeah. Um, I have worked really hard. Like one of the things that neither of my parents and my, my father passed away a few years ago, my mom's still around, but to this day they, they still can't Look past their mental construct of the world and actually engage with reality, and that's why, like, I'm so much about acceptance because I saw what lacking acceptance of of the world and oneself does. Mm-hmm. Um. So we have Rolanda's conversations, and I'm like, dude, that's good. Um, yeah. Well, well, I mean, I've had to, like. My parents were married, and they divorced several years after... In fact, they divorced like when my son was born, like like the next year. And so, my parents were together my entire upbringing. It was a very classical upbringing, right? But look at how messed up I am out of it. So, I am fully aware that even if you live in the same house, that's no guarantee that you're going to have a decent relationship. Yeah. And because of the own conflict I have with my own parents, like... When it's my time to go, I want to say goodbye to my kid and I want him to want to say goodbye to me. No conflict. Yeah. So I approached it like that. And I've been like, look, dude, you have every right to be angry with me and I'm real sorry and shit's wild and it just that's what it is and that's not enough. And that's, you know, I'm not good enough. And that's, he's the one person that can judge me. I'll say that. Like, fuck everybody else. Like, you don't owe me. I don't owe you nothing. I made him. And I miss him. He was my like, he was my buddy. Like we'd hang out and, and go do stuff. And I can't even go take him to like get a milkshake or a burger, you know? Mm-hmm. And um. And and so like honestly, like I, I I cry about that like a couple times a week, and it's better because it used to be multiple times a day. And you know I am looking and and like why did I not move back? Like what way? and so and there's there's all kinds of dynamics there too, but. So here's a fun story about why I'm here and why I feel the way that I do about what I'm supposed to be about. He and I were camping last year out at Beaver Lake, Horseshoe Bend specifically, and there was an E. coli outbreak in the lake, and so you couldn't go swimming. And we're like, literally, like from here to your parking lot, like dude, like 50 feet, like yo, there's the water, it's 100 degrees, can we, you know? But I'm not, I'm not, I don't want like to crap my guts out, like it's not worth it. Yeah. So we're talking like I'm making dinner one day one evening and we're talking and I was like look man I was having one of these conversations with him I was like look dude I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and I can't shake that feeling and and then I was like he's kind of like do you know why and I'm like well I think I know what I'm supposed to do and I think this is where I need to do it and he's like "Well, what are you supposed to do and I was like It's gonna be stupid but i want to write books i want to talk i want to help people i want to show them the path i don't want to walk it with nobody but i want to be like you go that way that's the way and no sooner was that out of my mouth than a reporter walked up and asked if she could interview me about the lake and and like the look on his face and so confirmation comes in weird ways um and of course one could say that I'm just pattern finding in void, right? I'm looking for omens. But I have a number of stories like that. So, either there's a legitimate being that's talking to me or I have learned how to be super in tune with the environment around me. And I think it's that one. Because I can justify being, like, because there's, if you think about it, to use a, a, an antiquated term. There's Indian trackers, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's people that can look at the ground and see what went through it and track the animal or the person or whatever. Like there's people that can like have elevated senses and like there's all kinds of biophysical explanations that don't even involve supernatural anything. For And so I just feel like I'm super in tune with where, I, and, and you know what, maybe that's how, how I know is There's a saying about um, counterfeit money, about telling real money from counterfeit money. You train a bag teller with real money and they can instantly tell if a bill is fake just by the feel of it. So if you handle, in other words, if you do something enough, you're going to recognize fake immediately. Mm Because my whole game is trying to be balanced, I immediately know when I'm not balanced. And so, I guess the question is, is am I actually only feeling my, my own balance, or am I actually feeling the environment? Am I going, is there a God that made a path, or am I just trying to walk a tightrope through nature? Either way, the action is the same. Yeah. I have to treat it the same. So how often do you talk to your son? Um, talked to him yesterday. And... You know, so there's, like, he's 15, so of course he's gaming online with his homies all the time. Mm-hmm. And the past couple of times he and I have been on the phone, we actually chat on Discord because he's 15, right? So um, he would be like, oh, my homies just came online, they hit me up for that voice chat, and I'll be like, dude, it's cool, you can go. He'll be like, no, let's talk for a few more minutes. So I'm doing something right.
1: A lot of father-son relationships can't talk about anything but football and the
0: weather, so. Dude, exactly. My dad never talked to me about feelings. We talked about electronics or how to work on something or how to be a preacher. Like, we talked about things. Yeah. Concepts, but never, yeah. And so I recognized that was the biggest thing missing from my upbringing and that I had no coping mechanisms because I had no way to understand my own feelings. And so instead of crash course learning about it out of desperation at 35, if I can let, I'm just trying to give this kid a base. hmm and I'm very clear, like, dude, I'm not saying that this is legit. It's not 100% for sure. It's how I feel. I may be wrong. Yeah. But it feels right. <laughs> you know, what else can we do? If, if we're not guaranteed an afterlife, then the only way we live on is in the memories of the people we know. Or that know us, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people to know who I am. I don't want to go through this world and be... Complete unknown. I don't know. A little mystery is fun. Leave them want more, you know? Leave yeah. want more. But yeah, like, why not? Like, what? <sighs> Am I so special that I'm the only one that's ever had these feelings? Like, come on now. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Something Meaningful. I firmly believe that what I do helps both those I talk to and those who listen to the podcast or watch the videos. You can help me improve my content and reach more people by donating on my Patreon at Something Meaningful Show, on my Anchor account, by subscribing to my YouTube channel, and by sharing this with your friends. With your help, I want to get this to as many ears as possible. Help someone have a good day, and have a good day yourself.